When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Facebook Live. We are here live together and uh, yeah, so we are excited, excited to have you guys. We're going to be taking your questions. So hopefully you guys have some amazing questions. I am Tom Bilyeu and I am here with... Cindy. Indeed. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. And Cindy, do you have a kickoff question? So I have a couple kickoff questions from from After Impact. So this one comes from Sean Delaney. Who is the one mentor you would spend a day with to grow yourself? Wow. Um, Here's where you have to differentiate between the people that really get you amped and the people that would be really great mentors. Mm -hmm. Um, So the person I think I I would probably shadow for a day if I could is Elon Musk, but I don't know. I just don't know if he would be a very good mentor. Um, But yeah, he's somebody that inspires me, so I'll go with him. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the next question comes from Deb. Um, she loves impact theory, so thank nice. you for that. As a creative, how do you turn off your brain at night and go to sleep? Um, I'm probably the wrong person to ask that question to because I do not struggle to fall asleep. And part of it is um, that I I really do burn the candle at both ends. So mm-hmm. I'm going, going, going. So my thing is if I'm awake, I'm either working out or working. Um, so I, yeah, by the time my wife makes fun of me, cause by the time I lay down, dude, I'm out in seconds. Um, now the question is if I wake up in the middle of the night and then my mind starts spinning. So let's say I've gotten maybe three or four hours of sleep, which is less than my five hour minimum, which means I'm going to try to fall back asleep. Um, then how do I quiet my mind? I do meditative stuff. So I do just breathe, focus on my breathing. I find though that laying down, I have a hard time, um, getting into the rhythm of the breath. Plus my wife's right next to me. So I'm trying not to like do it too loud of an exhale. So Mm. that can kind of mess with me. So sometimes I'll do like, I envision myself. Um, so I tell myself that I can breathe underwater and then I imagine myself descending to the bottom of the Marianas trench. I don't know why I find that so comforting, but I do. So, the bottom of the Marianas yep, Trench? Yep. 
Huh. That's it. That is the one visualization that I use over and over and over and over. But ironically, I actually have to tell myself, you can breathe underwater, even though, like, <laughs> hey, I'm just laying in bed. But see, so yeah, I tell myself that, and then I imagine myself descending. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not a good sleeper, so. At all, ever. So, I once I fall asleep, I'm pretty much in a coma, which is great. But right. it takes me a long time to fall asleep. Give me a like number of minutes. Um, it could be anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours. Whoa. Every night? Mostly. I don't even wow. count anymore, so I don't huh. know. So now I just go to bed earlier and then know that I'll be up until whenever. But have if I have to stay up. Have you tried just straight exhausting yourself? So, mm, so straight exhausting myself works sometimes, but then... I feel like I get amped on the energy of like trying to exhaust myself and then I'm just still up. Interesting. So I've always been a really bad sleeper like that. So I, you know, have to calm my mind. So I'll like envision a field and a swing set and just watch it go back and forth. Or, you know, I tried to count sheep, which doesn't work for me. The actual act of counting Mm. doesn't work. So I have to use like visualizations or... Sometimes I just take melatonin and close my eyes, right. drink a tea, and just hope for sleep. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Respect. So, you know, learning, learning about myself all these nice. years. Um, yeah, so this one comes from Gustavo. He's like, he's says, hey guys, big fan from Brazil. Shout nice. out to Brazil. Shout out to Brazil. Um, so he says... Why are we always talking about phase one, build the community? What's phase two? Where are we headed? Nice. Uh, Well, first of all, you can check this out on impacttheory.com. We've got all three phases laid out there. We're talking about phase one because we're in the thick of phase one. Um, We're all assuming that... So it's not like it's going to be phase one. Hey, everybody, phase one is now over and we're in phase two. But phase one is building community. Um, So that's like our massive, massive focus right now. Uh, Totally focused on social content, getting that out into the world. Uh, but we are already doing um, phase two stuff right now. And phase two is um, bringing the community together, looking for ideas that we can turn into businesses and traditional narrative. Um, so there's two companies that we're working with. We haven't like signed on the dotted line, um, largely because I just want to make sure that... Um, that in one case that it's real, that the product actually works. They're great guys and I really like them. And I spend a lot of my time actually talking back and forth with one of the guys because it's a medical device company. You've heard me talk about it before. It's, the company's called Neurovalens um, and they do vestibular nerve stimulation. Like this is like every geeky like part yeah. of my body is, is just amped up by what these guys are doing. Neuroscientists, we go back and forth. He's constantly sending me data and stuff that he's looking at. And I just find it so interesting. But the device, I need to know it actually works. And it's FDA approved for weight loss, but that doesn't mean that it actually works. It means that in a lab, it shows like certain efficacy, but the difference between the lab and the real world often is a huge chasm. And I am reputation protective above all else. So the last thing I want to do is get behind something that I'm not 100% sure about, and then I'm hyping it and building it. So I told him, look, I'm, I'm happy to get involved, and that's why I talk about them. If you're okay with me telling people that I don't know if this is real. And they've actually been really cool about that. They totally get it. They're, you know, a scientist. They're on a quest for the truth. They want to make sure that it's real as well. Um, so they're they're very cool um, with that. But we, we haven't signed on the dotted line there. Um, and then the other one is... Um, uh, 
not similar. Like that one, I just need to sit down and read the contracts and, and make sure that it's good. But I think what they're doing is pretty interesting. And, and I may have an even bigger vision for what they could become um, than they do. So it'll be interesting to see like how much influence I can have there. Because even if they just crush it in the arena that they're looking at, it's going to be a big company. Right. Um, but if we can think, get them to think even bigger, um, that it, it could really, really be big. So, But those guys, super bright entrepreneurs, um, really excited uh, to start talking openly about them. I dig it. Yeah. All right. I'm excited too. And then, even though Agent Smith, who I'm looking at, is not a believer, I'm hopeful that we can get him super <laughs> excited about the app, which we have an app coming. <laughs> He's like, He's like uh, calling no. me out, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> I think that the the app is going to be, if, if it does what we want it to do, because mm. it, we didn't build it from the ground up, we found um, some guys that have like sort of an off-the-shelf solution. It'll be, it'll be a great sort of... Phase one of phase two, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, so it'll be a good starting point. And if it does some of the things that we want it to do, which is really gamify the experience. So um, if you understand phase one, build the community. Phase two, point the community at companies, narrative ideas, find the ones that really resonate with people before we put resources behind them. That's a critical part of our plan. Um, and then phase three is monetize everything. It's just the gross, simple way to say it. Mm -hmm. Um, we need that layer of technology where we can incentivize people to do things, um, to read a script, to read a comic, to read a novel, to look at a company, to go beta test um, a company or an app or, you know, like with neurovalence, like, hey, you would get points for being one of the early alpha or beta testers on that and giving feedback. And um, so being able to um, create a global leaderboard, leaderboard of impactivists and like, you know, what they've done to participate in what we're trying to do and create and you'd get points for that and other people can see it and there's rewards and, and I, we want to do some really crazy stuff to reward people and, you know, on, on the extreme high end, like if there's, you know, uh, maybe an annual um, grand impactivist award for somebody that's uh, thinking out loud here and the team might have a seizure, but, you know, like <laughs> send people to, you know, um, like some, like if they're in the U.S., send them to Europe for something big. I mean, really do some cool shit for the community. Um, so, awesome. But we need the technology in place to be able to track that. So um, it's probably more information than you were looking for, Gustavo, but that's where we are. Cool. Okay, so this comes from the Philanthropy Channel. Um, how do leaders in the philanthropic space push through all the current noise in media today? How do these leaders get their story out there? So high value add content is, is our gamble, right? So that's what I believe is, is going to work and building partnerships over time. So anything that you see happening here, um, I've been building relationships with people for the last 15, 20 years. And I remember one time asking um, this guy that I was working with and we needed something I can't remember. And he like had a guy in his phone. He, he was like, oh, I know a guy that does that. And, and I said, how do you know somebody that does that? That's so impossibly random. And he said, you know, he was um, a fair amount older than me. He said, Tom, when you're my age, you'll have that many people in your Rolodex as well. And it's true. If you're out there, you're meeting people and not asking like, how is this person valuable to me today? But instead being a fucking human being and right. saying like, I want to get to know this person. 
maybe they're not useful to you now and that shouldn't be the driving force behind getting to know them. You should just have a strategy in life that cool people are cool to have in your world. And then, hey, if you've built a real authentic relationship with them, you know, maybe three, four, five, ten years down the road, it's like they become the perfect person and you've got a track record now of just asking like how you can help them and how you can be useful and getting to know them and really like trying to connect. And you do that enough and you meet enough cool people um, all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, like I actually know somebody that does that. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, that becomes a thing like with, uh, trying to get the Nike shoe, the guy that leapfrogged me ahead, um, in all of that and put me in contact with a high level Nike exec was somebody that I've been friends with for years and, um, happened to be an early adopter at quest. And we just got to know each other and connected and, and built a real friendship. And then it's like, I just happened to be mentioning it to him as a one-off, had no idea that he knew anybody at Nike. And then that, you know, becomes that high level meeting. So it just, you never know meet people, deliver value, um, always try to deliver more value to other people than they deliver to you. And then you get to reap the rewards of those relationships when they become the, you know, that moment sparks itself. And so true. Yeah. I mean, I was just at a networking event essentially yesterday and it's, I was reconnecting with people that I hadn't seen in a while. And it was just great because one person introduces you to another and you kind of find out where everyone's careers have changed mm. and what they're up to now. And for the most part, it's just because we like each other and we're right. just friends. So, yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. So this one comes from Peter Wheatenberg. Sorry if I butchered your name. Peter Wheatenberg. Um, hi, guys. Love IT. Here's my question. Can you dive into the protein cycling you talked about in a couple a couple episodes ago? I think this one's referring to something in YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one, I think that human beings just from an evolutionary perspective cycled everything that they did, um, cycled what they ate, cycled um, where they were getting their food. There was a, you know, following the herds as they migrated and moved. Um, and so there's just um, a big thing to cycling. And then on top of that, because I'm really lazy, so I certainly do not want to come across as like, the, like it's probably useful to cycle like even at the micronutrient level. So where are you getting your um, vegetables from? Like where were they grown? What country? That Like that's taking optimization to a level. I do not. Um, I just acknowledge that it would probably be better. Um, but here's what I do with protein cycling specifically. So four days a week, I'm high protein and I do that to maintain lean muscle mass. Um, I found I actually prefer to be from a, how it makes me feel on a physiological level. I prefer to be high fat all the time, I'm truly ketogenic. Like I've just never felt better. Um, your relationship to hunger completely changes just a much easier lifestyle, even though it's harder to find the foods. Um, but like obviously a quest. They make a whole bunch of keto stuff. So I was just living off of quest keto. I did it for about nine months, felt amazing. But when I would touch my muscles, they felt soft. Mm. And I just found that I had a really hard time maintaining the muscle mass that I had. And so I felt like I was putting a lot of effort into the gym. And so even though my joints felt amazing, even though my relationship to hunger was completely different and, um, it's very hard to explain how your relationship to food changes. But I will just say this when you're ketogenic all the time, what you find is your body is literally burning fat. So whether you get it from diet or you get it from body fat, the, it's the same mechanism for the body. So you're switching back and forth between, um, dietary intake fat and then 
in body fat. And so there's not a decline. Like now, if you get really hungry, most people get hangry. Um, you can actually feel your cognitive performance going down. When you're ketogenic, you don't feel that. So you feel hungry. Like your body's telling you, hey, go eat. But you don't feel the decline in performance. And so that was Ooh. amazing. And then high fat um, diet, assuming that you're getting uh, clean, healthy fats, meaning like not fried, uh, not damaged fats, I should say. If you're getting undamaged fats, then your joints just, you feel amazing. It's awesome. Um, but the muscle mass thing was a real problem for me. So um, I started to cycle. So four days a week, I do high protein, still high fat, by the way, but not ketogenic, intaking way too much protein to be ketogenic. And so let's define terms. What does ketogenic mean? Ooh, this is getting big, Cindy. Uh, ketogenic is really defined scientifically. It's uh, 0.5 millimoles of ketones plus present in the bloodstream. Okay. Um, so you either have it or you don't. And if you're intaking too much protein, then you won't because through something called gluconeogenesis, you break protein down into glucose. So your body just stays a glucose burning mm. machine if you're intaking too much protein. Um, so you really, okay. really have to suppress that. So that's ketogenesis. So I do four days a week, high protein, maintain muscle mass, um, and then three days a week, of a truly ketogenic diet where it's very, very high fat, very low protein and virtually no carbohydrate um, to maintain my low levels of inflammation. And if I adjust that too much, my joints start to hurt. Mm. So, you did do is. an article about your like wrists, right? Carpal yes. tunnel and stuff? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It wasn't carpal tunnel. Okay. If only it had been. Because then uh, maybe there could have been something to do. In fact, is maybe carpal tunnel a myth? I'm way outside my know. realm of expertise here, so you can ignore everything I'm about to say. <laughs> but it's entirely possible that carpal tunnel syndrome, as people say it, is really just inflammation. And mm. that rather than getting surgery, you should probably try a ketogenic diet first. Yeah. I'm not a scientist. I don't play one on TV. So, right. But. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, so this one comes from um, Sean Joseph. Says, congrats on the 20K subs. Woo! Thank you. Um, and continued growth in viewership. Currently, Mel Robbins' episode is already around 300,000 plus views. Um, what do you think has attributed to the results of that episode in particular? Do those same learnings guide how you choose to structure future episodes? Um, no, but we it does impact how we pull clips. So what anything that goes... so. The really interesting thing about Mel's clip is that it went viral on Facebook. And um, I think virality has has a formula-ish. It doesn't mean that just because you meet that formula that it's going to go viral, but things that right. go viral tend to have these things in common. I'll walk through them in a second. Um, but so her on Facebook, her clip's done, I think, almost 11 million views. So, Something like. Yeah. So it was just massive. And what you find is it's advice that is real, meaning if you take it, it will make your life better. But it's also advice that is just controversial enough to create enough friction that people want to share it either out of love or hate. And so, hey, welcome to the game of being human. So humans like to bitch about things. So the Mel Robbins clip got equal measure, like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's life-changing. And then equal measure, this woman is an idiot. And so... I will never understand that. That is like such a waste of time and energy to try to tear something down. Like if you think her strategy is bad, then just present a new one. Don't waste, don't even waste the time to say this doesn't work. Say, hey, here's something that also might work. Um, uh, so I'll never understand people to do it, but it helps something go viral. So uh, I was first introduced to the idea of hate following uh, a couple <laughs> years ago because I remember I was like, there, someone had left like this really long, intricate, well thought out um, comment about why I was an idiot. And I thought, hey, it's amazing. And then I thought, 
why is this guy following me? Like, I don't, I actually don't yes. understand. Like, if you think I'm an idiot, and somebody was like, oh, he's hate following you. I think it was Ryan Holiday told me. He's like, he's yeah. hate following you. And I was like, that's a thing. Because yeah. that's so uh, like anathema to my personality. If I just don't resonate with somebody, I just don't pay attention. Right. Ain't nobody got time for that. Like, Agreed. I don't have time to follow people that I hate. Agreed. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, anyway, hate following, hate commenting, it, it helps. So, when we look for clips, we're looking for clips that we think, hmm, there's, like, something in here that's going to rub some people the, the right way and going to rub some people the wrong way. And when that happens, you know you've got a chance that it really takes off. Agreed. And as a reminder to our Facebook audience, if you are finding value in this Q&A, please share um, this live feed for a chance to win a 10-minute chat with the Tom Bilyeu. That would be amazing. Share, 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 if you would. Yeah, they're really fun. They're the 10-minute chats? The 10-minute chats. Nice. Yeah. I mean, even scheduling them, because I get to know some of the people. While, That's cool. Um, yeah. So okay. this next one comes from Chris Welsh. Do you think people can escape the matrix mentally without mastering physical health? As someone who eats a giant bowl of vegetables every day, I still found nutritional deficiencies that were worth a year's wor- wait were worth a year's worth of mental health improvement through regular meditation, reading, etc. Yeah, so um, if if I didn't know about Stephen Hawking, I would probably say, oh no, you have to get to the body to get to the mind, but it's just not true. Um, I think that you'll never fully optimize the mind unless you can optimize the body. And I think that Stephen Hawking is is a really fascinating example because he himself says, I would not have had the breakthroughs in physics that I've had if I hadn't gotten shut inside my own body because it forced him to really concentrate and to take his life very seriously and to feel like I have very limited time. So I need to really like think about this um, and to really get lost in his um, imagination as a way to cope with not having control over his physical body. But at the same time, if he had kept, if he was had an ability to get that level of focus and optimize his body, I think that he would be even more unstoppable. So it's a, it's a trade-off. It's, you know, I mean, almost certainly he wouldn't put as much energy and effort into his mind if he had control of his body. So it's a give and take. Um, but yeah, it, it, yes, you can, but most people won't. And most people are, the reason that their body is, um, out of shape or whatever is because they they just don't have discipline, um, in, you know, in that area. So behind the scenes, there's a lot of running, um, which I always uh, I did I slouch too much? Is that the problem? Yeah. So now there's it's like I want to sit room. up, and I'm then like, she's gonna be like, wait, like, now the camera's really messed up. And I'm like, um, I should sit up straight too. <laughs> yeah, God, it's terrible. Yeah. So These anyway, kind of that's, hard to sit up straight in. Uh, that's where my head's at. Yeah, mind body connection, baby. Mind body connection, man. For sure. Okay, so our next question comes from Josh Martell. Joshua Martell. Out in Florida. Got to meet him recently. That's cool. Mm -hmm. cool. So you said that you don't want to be Batman, but that's what Batman's alter ego would say. Kind of fishy to me. (laughs) And truth be told, I never see both of you in the same room before. That's a very good point. We have never been in the same room. (laughs) And why is that? Yeah, right? Um, It's interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot because I really, really uh, resonate really well with the Batman mythology. And Mm -hmm. there's something to like being the sort of dark brooding loner that is cool. Um, And I try not to get myself in trouble by chasing things that are cool when they're not 
like they don't feel good. Yeah. So it's like the tortured artist, right? So when I was in film school, the tortured artist notion really resonated with me. So and I wanted it. to be a tortured artist. And I thought, oh, God, like you're doubling down on something so negative. Like, is there a way? Because like, so I used to really, really be into writing poetry. And it is so easy to write poetry when me you're too. upset. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're upset, if you're oh hurt, God, if you're traumatized, like, it just it's great. pours out of you. And yeah. I thought, can you write from a place of beauty, joy, happiness? And when you can tap into something there, I think that it, there you'll have a breakthrough in your life of you know really focusing on the positive. And so I do love the Batman mythology. I think it's absolutely incredible, and I find it really cool and tempting to double down on like the brooding dark loner. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that it's, it's, not it's really probably, working. yeah, it's bad mojo, but I love his comic books. I love the movies. Like it's really resonant mythology for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree with the idea of, you know, being able to write poetry from a dark place is mm. so much easier than, well, easier right. than from a place of beauty and light, which is interesting. And I find that with a lot of artists. Um, but you see what I did there, Joshua? I didn't answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he evaded the question. Right. Guys, he might be Batman. Okay, so this one comes from Saad Masood. Uh, That's a dope name. Masad Masood? Saad Masood. Saad Masood. I need yeah. a way cooler name. That's dope. <laughs> Saad Masood. So, I just um, say that. He, who is a great interviewer in your view, and do you model your interview style and research after anyone? Ooh, I don't. Um, who do I think is a great interviewer? This is one. Well, okay, so let's say this. I think Tim Ferriss is unbelievably good at creating a podcast. Um, so do I think he's a good interviewer? I think that he gets, yes, because he gets something so great mm-hmm. from the people that come on his show. But like, I am literally trying to be. 180 degrees in the opposite direction. So Tim is like highly tactical. I remember him one time asking, um, who was it? Uh, The guy that wrote The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell. He asked him like, what uh, app do you use to take notes? And Gladwell like all but laughed because he was like, who cares about that? But like that's Tim's thing, right? Is to get to the highly tactical, like the really nitty gritty. And that is one of the things that makes him such an awesome interviewer. And I love his podcast so much, but I wanted to fill a void on the other end of the spectrum. So I certainly don't model myself after him, but he gets amazing results. And if you haven't seen his interview with um, uh, Jamie Foxx, which is so much fun, or what he did with Arnold Schwarzenegger, like just phenomenal, phenomenal. But he even makes fun of himself for the way that he'll just like ask a question totally randomly has nothing to do with what they're talking about and um but he gets results and so is there at the end of the day it's like marrying sort of your natural personality um with taking the uh the person that you're interviewing somewhere interesting and new and i pride myself on my ability to get people to go somewhere new um and because of that i think is why i don't model myself after anyone Mm because it's like by definition then you're going to get something that you've already seen um so yeah i'm leveraging my natural um fascination to go somewhere new. Right. But I Perspective think and curiosity. Yeah. Kind of play into that. All right. So this next one comes from Justin Campbell. Nice. Campbell Platt. So Tom, do you ever plan on getting more than one guest on at once for a roundtable like arrangement? I think that would be great. Um, yeah. I would love that. And it's here's why we don't do that now. Scheduling is a nightmare. 
scheduling is a nightmare. Now, if we had um, 3 million subscribers, it might get a lot easier to pull people in because then it's like they, you know, for selfish reasons, they all would be more likely to come on because the audience is so much bigger. Um, and, and you can make, um, you can be a little more pushy when you've got a big audience like that. Um, I would do that in a heartbeat. I think that would be incredibly fun. And sort of in the back of my mind is that fantasy is I really get to know some of these people because we, so we have what we call the Impact Theory Alumni Club. So the people that come on the show, like we really do our best to stay in contact, to continue to add value even when they're not on camera. Um, so that we can one day hopefully do things like that. And, and some of these have turned into real friendships with people. Um, so, you know, hopefully one day we can get a super eclectic, amazing group together. It would just be so cool to get like a celebrity and a neuroscientist and, you know, uh, an athlete or something, get them together and talk about some just really heady shit, which is like what gets me excited. That would be a lot of fun. So let's call that, you know, a year from now, maybe we'll have enough clout. Um, and no, Agent Smith, that was not me bumping our year goal up to 3 million. <laughs> it would be cool. Um, but yeah, we just, we need a bigger audience. So, hey, while we're on the subject, if you guys, if the content is adding value to your life, um, share this. That would be amazing. Help us build that. And that is what is really going to let us do some cool, cool stuff. We're already, because of the amazingness that is Dr. Finesse, we're able to get just guests in the show that we should not be able to get. Um, and going back to our earlier question, um, you know, about building that network and, and, playing the long game he's been doing right. that for you know whatever 20 25 years um so we're able to get these incredible guests and i think that what we'll be able to get on the show as we get bigger is going to be ridiculous have we ever talked on camera about the fact that behind the scenes here we have one of um somebody who worked on the oprah show and then dr finesse who we've talked um, endlessly about yeah. who's booked for arsenio hall to have a smiley like we've got some real talent um on the show and and sort of what we all talk about is what do we look like when we have a million followers? Like, do we become the biggest thing since sliced bread? And I think that's up to you guys. Help, help. That uh, would be up to you yeah. guys. So I think that we'll be able to do something crazy. I'm certainly willing to put in the work um, to give people an exceptional interview. And then the team behind the scenes is just crushing it. And even to the point where, like, my wife has become a technical genius, which is absurd. <laughs> and uh, she, it's just She's the one... That created this multi-cam yeah, switch. Yeah, that's all, like literally all, all her. her. Um, so we all just kept heckling her, like, when are we going to have like multi-cam switch? She's like, fine. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll so, do it. Yeah, and then she, finally she just had to did it. It's it amazing. Amazing. It was, and, oh, oh, we still can't say who she's doing it with, but she's recorded the first two episodes of her podcast. This is going to be sick. She's going to leapfrog. You watch. She's going to be the first one with a million followers. It's going to be amazing. Right. I'm super stoked on that. I haven't even heard her podcast yet. Nope. I'm dying to. I keep like, oh, tell me more. Like, tell me more. Like, I can't no, no, wait no. to see this. So she wants it's to do a, a little surprise. bit of editing first. But yeah. yeah. So they, they've already banged out too. This is real. This is going to happen. It's going to be incredible. They have the name. They even have like sort of basic logo. Uh, the first step in the logo. It's going to be super, super dope. I don't think I'm um, giving away anything too early to say that it's um, focused on female empowerment. Uh, it's going to be dope. So definitely, definitely, we're going to be hyping the life that. out of that yes. when it drops. But that's going to be good so stuff. So excited about it. Okay. So this one comes from Shakar Dewan. Hey, Tom. As I've been improving my mindset, I've been able to do a lot more work on my own. But I still suck at cooperate, yeah, cooperating while working on major things with other people. Would love some advice on this if you have it. And do you think it's related to the bandwidth of output that Elon Musk keeps talking about? 
Um, so I don't, I haven't heard Elon talk about the bandwidth of output, so I can't comment on that. But, um, so I'll ask a question and this is, it comes from a famous, a famous Tony Robbins story where a guy came to him and said, Tony, I want to be as good at speaking as you are. Um, every weekend I make sure that I have at least three speaking gigs and, you know, so I'm really putting in the work and Tony's like, wow, that's amazing. Um, you know, you're on the right path, but if you're speaking three times a week, I'm speaking three times a day. So in a month, I'm going to do more than you're going to do in a year. And it really comes down to scale. So if that's where you struggle is doing cooperative stuff, how often are you doing it? Like how often are you putting yourself in that position where you're actually working with other people, finding out your rhythm in that team dynamic, getting a team together and realizing, God, two thirds of the people that I brought together for this group, like they don't make sense in this group and it's bad chemistry. And, and so getting good at finding the people, identifying things that, that um, are signals of what the chemistry is going to be like when you work together, finding out what your dynamic is in that group. It comes from doing it, doing it, doing it. And, you know, never think of something as performance, always think of it as practice. So put a group together, try to do something great, but remember that it's practice. And so don't be afraid to say, okay, I didn't do a great job of picking the group here, or I really let the group down there. (coughs) I can't even (laughs) breathe and talk at the same time. Like, see, I'm just practicing. (coughs) So even something as simple as breathing and talking can present its own challenge. Um, And you do this a lot. Yeah. So look. It's all about practice. It is all about practice. That's the second time like this week that I've almost choked to death breathing. I don't know. What is happening? I don't know. Well, it's allergy season. So maybe it's starting to, you know, give me that out. Thank you. Tickle your throat. You're you're welcome. I don't know. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're going to have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. 
Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. I'm not sure if you have allergies, but yeah. they crop I do, up. But I don't think that's my problem. Okay, well, just let you know. All right, so this one comes from Scott Vera. How do you separate your personal life from your business life and stay productive and creative at the same time? I don't. I don't um, separate them. Maybe that's bad. They are one. But yeah. So my wife and I worked together, co-founded the company. Um, we worked together at Quest. Uh, it's just that's the rhythm that we found in our life. And um, especially once you make the demand that you build a business around something that you really care about, something like I would do this for free. In fact, not only am I doing it for free, I'm paying a lot of money to do this. So like this <laughs> so, is... So, you know, it's, it's the right? thing. <laughs> so this is literally, if you were going to ask me... Um, what would you do if you didn't have to worry about money? Like, uh, that's the life that I'm already living. So, um, you know, you, you find that thing that you love that you would do, even if you weren't being paid that you would love doing, even if you were failing. And then all of a sudden, like you're not looking for the separation. So I look for the integration. I think that Richard Branson has talked very powerfully on this. When you can no longer distinguish between work and play, like you've got something good going on. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I love creating content. I love putting this stuff out there. I love doing the prep work. Um, some of my favorite times during the week are when I, I click onto something that I'm researching for the guest and I'm utterly, utterly fascinated by it. And in those moments, like there is no anxiety, there is no stress, there is no pressure. There's just that thing that's fascinating. And I see my goal to be really to, in a super raw way, bring my fascination, bring the thing that I have fallen in love with to the forefront. Hopefully that that's infectious and that people also get caught up in that. Um, and, and I always let that be my guide and, you know, won't make the mistake of, of over-optimizing for profits. You have to be profitable and, and I want to accumulate um, resources and, and part of that's going to be generating wealth. Um, yeah, that, that's like the name of the game, but not to get lost in that. Right. Money's the byproduct. Money is the byproduct. Very well said. 
Yes. All right. So this next one comes from Holiday Squared. Would you be willing to talk about the impact of Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand thousand Faces faces on you? And what's the most impactful piece for you? So uh, for those that don't know, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, basically Joseph Campbell is the preeminent scholar on mythology. Unfortunately, he passed away quite some time ago. Uh, But he wrote a book called The Power of Myth. He wrote another book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And The Hero with a Thousand Faces is really about how we're, um, if you look across all cultures and societies, they're basically all telling the same story. And it's Mm -hmm. got different rappers, but it's the hero's journey. And it's, you know... I'll shorten it to sort of the fixed mindset to the growth mindset. It's like they're at the beginning, they um, answer the call reluctantly and, you know, then they go on this essentially big spiritual quest and it looks like they're never going to do it. And then they push through and, you know, they have a fear limitation blocker wound and they have to overcome that fear limitation blocker wound to have the ultimate success. And then they bring that lesson back to the tribe. Okay. So that's sort of like the hero's journey in a nutshell. Um, And uh, the most important, impactful part for me um i don't know it feels like the kind of thing that's meant to be taken in totality the way that it's really impacted me is that it's it as a student of narrative it's understanding that through line how humans respond and if you sort of reverse engineer and not say humans constructed that story but rather revealed it as a sculptor reveals the inner beauty of marble um, to give you a sculpture it's really us sort of backtracking in what resonates with humans and the reason that that story in that form has carried on and become like the dominant uh, piece of narrative in culture is because that's how humans are wired to um, latch onto something, to transmit something, to be inspired, to be moved, to understand, to assimilate information. That that through line is the through line that is the um, key that fits in our neurological lock, if you will. And if our lock mm-hmm. looked different, then the key would look different. And so it just really is, that's the way the human mind is, is built. And um, so understanding it, understanding how to structure a story for maximum impact um, I think is is very, very important. And as somebody who believes that the key to transmitting a truly powerful, world-changing ideology that will influence the next generation of companies, which is what we're trying to do, you have to understand the shape of that key so that you can manufacture it over and over. Hashtag truth. There it is. Also, as a reminder, guys, our official Facebook community is launching on Monday. I can't Ooh, believe yeah. I forgot to tell you guys. Um, yeah, so definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, if you're signed up to our newsletter, you'll be finding out about that as well. Or just, you know, follow us on all social and yeah. learn about Super it. Super excited about that. Group. I'm like really, really excited. Am. I've been working a lot, a lot on all of the content. All right. I'm so excited. Whatever. Yeah. And this is Cindy's baby. So when it launches, <laughs> know that this woman has put an inordinate amount of effort into showing the love to the community. Um, it's, it's really been incredible to watch you put it together. So yeah. Well so Coming soon. Okay, so this one comes from Shakar Dewan. Does working out help you with mental chatter? I find my body, sorry, I find my mind is too noisy and thinking too much. Meditation sometimes helps, but not sufficiently all the time. Um, Well, working out... uh... Here's what working out does. It helps me earn credibility with myself. I don't know that it stops the chatter, but it it I find that if you if there's if you have stress in your life, if you're um, worried about something, if you're insecure about something, there is one bulletproof solution that works every single time, and it's not meditation. It's action. 
So if you're feeling insecure, it's because you're not good at something and you probably have your finger on something you actually aren't very good at. Fantastic. Now you know, go get good at it, right? So go put the time and energy into getting good at that. And you will find that as soon as you begin taking action, you will feel better about it. Even though you're not there, you haven't mastered the craft. You like There is some deep-seated part of your mind that knows you are now doing what you need to do. And I, I will use that as a guide a lot of times. If I'm like really stressed, really worried about something, if I dive into it and just start chipping away at it and, and taking care of it, then like the anxiety, the stress, the pressure, it drops because I'm like, I'm doing what I need to do to actually be prepared for this. So putting in that work is, is really, really critical. And the gym is one simple way to do that. Um, but depending on what you're trying to do, it may not be the answer to all of your woes. So to me, going to the gym is optimizing the body to get to the mind. It's looking better, feeling better. It's um, earning credibility with myself that I have the discipline to show up and do something. And that's a huge one. I think people really underestimate that proving to yourself that you have the discipline to do something that's hard, that's difficult, that you don't want to do, but you're doing it because it lives in service of your goals. Like proving to that to yourself on a daily basis just feels fucking awesome. And when you walk out of the gym, you'd be like, yeah, I'm a stud because I showed up. I did what I needed to do. Um, so that's a big deal. So, but at the end of the day, my real take on message isn't about the gym. It's about doing whatever is needed to actually get good at that thing that you're stressed or freaked out about. Mm. Like face it head on. Got it. Well, I mean, for me, I find working out does help with the mental chatter. Yeah. Yeah. It's just being in the process of motion all the time. Kind of just, you can't really think about much else. So everything else shuts off. So you're just really focused in on that one task. Nice. It's super strenuous. So I don't know. Find what works for you. <laughs> That's no my advice. Um, so this one comes from Albert Garza Ocampo. Oh. Hey, Tom. Thanks for the amazing lessons. I have a question about commitment. Anytime I have a goal, I can never stick to it fully with my all my passion. I, can't, I can go about a couple weeks, but then I procrastinate and lose track. Mm. What can I do? Well, one, you're going to have to distinguish... Um, this is a grit problem, so let's just start with that. And you're going to have to distinguish, like, is it that you really aren't that interested and thank God I put the work in and after a couple of weeks that I realize this really isn't my thing. But if it's a pattern of behavior, chances are that you are just allowing yourself to cop out. And so now we have to focus on having the discipline to push through long after something becomes boring. And I really believe that that may be one of the key things that differentiates people who end up being successful and those who don't are the people that become successful when something gets hard, when something gets boring, they are still so focused on what they want that they keep pushing through to that. And so I put as much time and energy, maybe more, into getting great at interviewing and doing an awesome interview and crushing it when no one was watching. Like we literally had no audience and you know things were going yeah. out to 100 people, 150 people and those were the views that we were getting and it's like, God, I'm spending so much time and energy but do you have the ability to keep pushing through knowing that if I keep doing this that I will reach the goal that I want which is to really have impact, to really be able to help a lot of people and you just have to fight through it. Or like I remember the first couple of interviews, I, I literally, so in fact, I haven't told this story very many times. Um, the first interview that we did with John Glaude back at Inside Quest, John Glaude's mm -hmm. a great dude, obese to beast, check him out, show him love, he's an amazing human being. And we did um, the episode, did a whole hour long episode. And in the middle of the episode, I was bored. And I was like, this is never gonna work. 
And this isn't going to work because I have this vision of what an interviewer is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking all the questions that I think an interviewer is supposed to ask. And John is dutifully giving all the answers that he's supposed to give to those sort of rudimentary questions. And this isn't going to work. And so in the middle of that interview, I think to myself, this is either the last interview I'm ever going to do or I'm going to do it a totally different way. And so we wrap the interview, an hour-long interview, and I say, that was terrible. John, are you willing to do it again right now? And he said, yeah. And I said, thank you, man. I'm so grateful. And we started over at the beginning, and I just asked all the questions I wanted to ask. I chased the things I cared about. Mm -hmm. I pushed back when I thought that there was a deeper answer. And... And we just did it and it was raw and that ended up being the one that we released and that really showed me that this could really be something if I was willing to learn, get better, admit that I wasn't yet good, to push and fight to find my own unique voice, to not try to follow in the footsteps of anybody that came before me and to really, really put in the effort. And that willingness to push through the awkwardness that I felt being that interviewer, um, feeling lost, feeling like I'm incapable of getting a good interview. Um, if I hadn't been willing to push through that, that pain, then you never get on the right path. So at the mm. end of the day, it's about making the demand of yourself that just because it's boring that you don't stop. Like if it's really something that you believe in, it's really something that you want to do, that you keep going and you just have to actually go. And, you know, this starts to tie into my whole thing of always say, yes, you're going to be scared. You're going to be afraid. That's not going to go away. That's always going to be there. And so you just have to keep saying yes, knowing that every time you say yes, you're putting yourself in a terrifying situation where you could fail and that you may fall on your face and that some percentage of the time you almost certainly will fall on your face. Um, just like this morning. So there was um, the book that I wanted to review. I literally had no idea how I was going to review it. It was the first um, fiction book that I was going to be reviewing. It was so like the all the things that I've learned to do in a book review that didn't exist. And it was just like, people kept saying, do you have a book to review? Yes, I do. Um, when, when can we do it? Can we do it tomorrow? Yes, we can do it tomorrow. Even though I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then literally my wife's texting me. She's like, we need to be filming in like 10 minutes. And I'm like, I still don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to sit in that fucking chair. And I know that it. people are going to be all around, like waiting to see, you know, not, not even waiting to see if I fail, but it's like, if I fail, there are people there witnessing it. Um, and then we'd miss a piece of content. And I just thought, well, here we go. And even down to the point where Lisa was like, we really need to start rolling. Like how much <laughs> how much more time do you need? And I'm like, five minutes. And then she asked me later, how much more time? Three minutes. And so it was just like, uh, I'm running out and now we're recording. And so, yeah. you know, you see what you do. And, and I thought, okay, well, maybe this is going to work. Maybe it's not. But I know I need to keep saying yes and keep moving forward. And then it ended up being, I mean, maybe it'll be terrible or at least poorly received, but I love doing it. And I, I really found like a way in, but I, I knew that if I chickened out because I didn't see the path, that I was never going to find the path. And that sometimes just being there in front of everybody with the mic in your hand and being like, well, I've got to get to the other side mm -hmm. of this and I'm going to get to the other side. Even if I stutter and stammer, I'm going to get to the other side by doing it. I'm not going to get to the other side by running away. And so it doesn't matter if it's, in fact, uh, Rebecca Rush, look her up, another inspirational person. Um, she's an endurance athlete. And she said, I don't mind winning ugly. And I always thought that was awesome. Like she will, and she used to get heckled for it because on a really steep hill, um, she would just carry her mountain bike. And people were like, oh, like that's like um, stupid. Like you're not even riding your bike. Like how can you feel good about that? And she's like, hey, I, I don't mind throwing it on my shoulder. I don't mind falling down. I don't mind getting scraped and bruised and admitting like I'm terrible at, you know, pedaling uphill and I'll get better yeah, later. But for now, I'm hard. just going to put the bike on my fucking back. 
and I'm going to carry it up. Hashtag win ugly. It's like not afraid to win ugly. People should not be afraid to win ugly because sometimes the victory is just getting to the other side. That was deep. Thank you. That was deep. Okay. Yeah. So this one comes from um, Lindsay Hahn. Hey, Tom. Uh, you are always pushing crazy hard towards your goals and have so much grit. I love Einstein's quote, play is the highest form of research. Does this resonate with you? If so, what do you do for play? Yeah, so if we can define play, play is something that is fun in and of itself. It um, makes you feel alive. You're having a great time. You lose track of time. You're not doing it because you're supposed to. Even if it is the thing you're supposed to be doing, you're doing it because it's fun. So if that's play, then yes, I um, I love it. I'm trying to like optimize my life for that. That the more that the things that I'm doing feel more and more like play every day because you're um, narrowing your world down to the things that you love. Um, that your goal is tied into those things. Um, that I think is is really really important. And so for me, learning is the thing that I love. And so one of the things I wanted to find a way to do was how can I when I learn something that it have this um, effect on the business. And so one of the ways, I mean, the content that we do is basically, these are the things I'm learning anyway. Like why do book reviews? Because I'm going to read the books. Like whether Mm -hmm. you tell me not to, like if you've ever read the book Fahrenheit 451 about a world where books are illegal and they're all burned. Like I promise you. That book made me so sad. Oh, that book is so good. No, I know. It's a really good book, but just the concept of books being burned, I was like, I was upset by it. You and me both. I was just like, but all the books are gone. Right. Yeah, I'd be the person yeah. reading underground. Right? So you and me. <laughs> 100% okay. reading underground. We're both underground. getting arrested. We're both yep. going to jail. We're being put to death. There's just no two ways about it. Right. But I'm reading books whether you want me to or not. That could be the world's most illegal thing ever. <laughs> um, and I'm still doing it. I'm still going to do it. No question. And yeah, so optimizing for that play, I think, is is really, really smart. Absolutely. Okay, so this one is um, from Danbro Fitness. Danbro Fitness in the All house. All right. So after listening, speaking of book reviews, after listening to your book review on Stealing Fire, it sounds like you're getting tempted to microdose. Yeah. Are you and why? Um, I'm getting tempted. I haven't done it. Um, I, here's the truth. I want to do it with my wife. Like every, every like cool thing. So a pleasure shared is a pleasure doubled. Yes. Um, and if my wife were gung ho about it, I would probably like that would be the thing that I need to to crack over. I'm struggling against identity. I have for so long been the guy that doesn't do drugs um, that it 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 plays with that. But there's something bigger to me, which is fascinating, which is I'm going to pretend for a second that microdosing, which I'll define as very low levels of a psychedelic that um, don't make you feel like you're on drugs, but allow you to make really creative connections in your mind. I, if that's true, and if my value proposition is accurate, that I can actually have global impact, at some point to not avail yourself of all the um, tools at your disposal, like you're slowing that progress down. So if it really is that effective, and I don't know that it is, but if it really is that effective, I'm letting my identity stand in the way of of doing the thing that I ultimately really want to be able to do and is an even bigger part of my identity. So um, it's interesting. I'm scared. It's just fear. Um, it was fear and identity. Um, I want to live forever. I don't want to do things that like could potentially damage my brain. And so it's mm-hmm. like I'm, you know, weighing all these things and fighting against the image of, you know, people who do drugs as like these whack jobs. And um, 
you know, and part of the the reason that Jamie in particular was tempting is because he's he is so coherent and so smart and so interesting and compassionate and fun. Um, and I've gotten a chance to spend time with him um, off camera, and he's just a good dude. And so he's like, look, I've talked to a lot of people. They a lot of people that are very very successful at the highest levels doing this and getting great results from it, and some of the technological breakthroughs that have been a result of that. I don't know. It just makes me think that it's worth trying. And I've tried weed three times. I fucking hated it. And that did not exactly feed into um, any desire to do drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, the one drug that I always wanted to develop an addiction to was modafinil, um, which is an anti-narcoleptic drug. Uh, and I've, I have truly only ever been tongue in cheek about that. If it really worked and you didn't need sleep, I would do that for sure. But it, um, I tried it once, and it's great for international travel because it takes the suffering out of being tired. You're still tired, uh, mm-hmm. just you don't suffer. Um, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't close enough to being like a a true you don't need to sleep drug for me to mess with whatever consequences it might have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that that's where I'm at. I might try it. Um, I think though, for me to try it, I'd have to be willing to talk about the fact that I tried it. And right now, because of that identity conflict, I'd want to be like all secretive about it. And that doesn't feel good. True. So. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it seems like, yeah, it, it'd be fun. But I guess we'll see. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm like pretty open in terms of like new experiences. So I feel like it's a new experience because that's kind of part of my identity is just right. being someone who tries new things. Um, but yeah, so it's like I haven't really giving it much thought myself. Mm. All right. So this next one comes from Corey G. Rhoda. How did you create your morning routine? Did you slowly implicate working out, then meditation, et cetera, um, to eventually setting goals, not in that order necessarily, or did you jump in both feet and just make it happen? No, it was very slow. The way that he described it is exactly how it happened for me. So working out was about um, wanting to get strong, wanting to look good, um, wanting to escape the fate that so many people in my family succumb to, you know, getting obese. And so I didn't want that. And look, I'm a guy who's obsessed with superheroes. So I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be bigger, um, you know, more muscular. And so that was the gym. That's what started that. And then, so I went from having no game with women, no game whatsoever, (laughs) um, to, to really looking at the world and saying, okay, you know, the advice that I give to people, if you want to do something, find somebody who's good at it and ask them what they did. And so there was this guy that I worked with, um, who just like, girls on girls on girls and I was just like how the the hell is this guy like so yes he was very good looking that did not hurt um but I just asked him and I'm like dude like what is the secret and he said oh um be a jerk to women and I was like that's so fucking cliche I refuse to believe that that's true but I thought he's really good with women so let me really think through like what this is about and what I realized was like money is a byproduct being a quote unquote jerk is a byproduct of just being confident. Cause what he means is you wanna, you don't wanna um, overly invest, right? And that is unfortunately, that's mm-hmm. an aphrodisiac. Cause if you seem too interested, people go, cause people are, they, you want some raw motherfucking truth? It's all about sexual market value. Okay, this, this is just, these are truth bombs. I'm not saying uh-huh. it should be this way, I'm just saying it is this way. 
and they've done experiments where it's like you give people a randomly assigned card, like from a deck of 52 cards, standard cards, and you're, you put it on your head. So you don't know what your card says, but you can see other people's cards. And then you have to try to get somebody to pair up with you that has the highest card possible. And, but you can't see yours. Right. So if you're like the ace, like everyone's coming up to you and like trying to like get your thing. So, but now you don't go to the person who's most eager. You're actually looking for the person who's like maybe not as hot because it's like, well, maybe they're right at my level or maybe a little bit higher. So I actually want to be with them. That's the way sexual market value works. So when you're too eager, people are like, mm, maybe you're below my sexual market value because nobody really knows what their market value is. You just based yeah. on how people respond to you. So as I began to put it in like a social scientist context uh -huh. and realize maybe that's what's going on, then I realized it's about confidence and I'm not displaying confidence. I'm displaying eagerness and eagerness is not because I would get fascinated by somebody. I think, oh my God, like they're so interesting and I would write them poetry in, right? So, like, <laughs> that's weird. so I thought, okay, let me think through it that way. And so that's how I began to come at the world. You're going to have to help me get back to the original question. I lost somewhere I and like, getting excited about I uh, where we were headed with all this. Um, so... Just to wrap that thought up while well, you I look know. for the question. Um, I think this is a tangent. This, this is a very sadly a <laughs> but tangent. But I, you but, know, um, it's fun. Oh, my morning routine. So I'll, <laughs> I'll get back to that. So that's why I originally started lifting because I recognized that to increase my sexual market value, that was also something that was very helpful. So okay. being confident, Got changing it. my physical appearance, like these uh -huh. were just things that were effective. And then getting into that, so that's how that became a morning routine. And then uh, meditating was about trying to optimize my mind, lower my background radiation. Um, reading was just making sure that I always had time for it. I'm not sure how to take the talking about sexual market value attracted Agent Smith. Um, <laughs> to the here background. We got to wrap it up. We're, uh, we're wrapping soon. That's what sad. that means, Ooh. which sucks. Because I, I didn't even get over. to tell you about the time that someone left me like a singing voicemail. Amazing. Yeah. I didn't know him that well. It was oh, it was a guy trying to get that. your attention. Yeah, it was too early for all that. That's I also don't really listen I, to voicemails. I didn't sing, but I've done ridiculous yeah. things like that. So it's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> As my wife would say, it's too full on. It, it is. Like, you know, he was nice. Yeah. He was a nice guy. I don't no, know. here's a sad reality. If there are any guys watching that are at that stage, um, the way that I finally attracted the woman who would become my wife, I ignored her. I ignored her and just believed this is a winning strategy. I didn't want to ignore her, but you have to. <laughs> you have to. Not and like I mean, look, you have to walk on the where balance. we're like, eh. Yeah, it's a balance. Like, it is it's a hard. balance. This is, it's hard. Uh, it's, it's graduate level course stuff, but it there is. it is. Maybe we'll do a relationship co yeah, coaching down, session down. one day. Trust me, I had to learn all that stuff the hard way. <laughs> the hard way. Um, All right, so we're at our end. Agent Smith is hovering. Guys, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. I really, really had fun with this one today. I hope this stuff is adding value. If it is, please share it. Share it. If you haven't already... Be sure to subscribe to all of our channels. Like this because you're on Facebook right now. Give it a like. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. We are doing our best to bring absolutely amazing content out into the world. Uh, so we thank you guys so much for joining us. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Peace out. Bye, everyone. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. <laughs>